Hi, I'm Shreen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. In the past year, consolidation has been the name of the game at agencies. The party line has been that they're collaborating for an integrated solution across the board for clients. Peter Sherman, Executive Vice President Omnicom Group, does not buy that. On this episode, I speak to Peter about why consolidation is happening, if the agency model is changing, and how categories no longer matter when it comes to customer expectations. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Peter. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thanks, Shireen. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. What do you do? Well, I... Um I feel like... I know it's a big question, and I want you to answer it as simply as possible, because yes. I think you have a very complicated job. Well, I th- that's that's the right frame. That is the right way to frame it up, and I will try and answer it simply. Um, really, it exists in two buckets. Uh, my primary role is to lead and organize a group of global client leaders at the holding company level called the Omnicom Global Client Leaders Group with the design of providing one point of access through those leaders for our top clients to integrated solutions that run across our entire portfolio. So that is, I think, quite simple. Um, you know, it certainly varies by clients. There's not one formula or one solution. And, and when I talk about providing integrated solutions to our clients, each one of those are bespoke and specialized and individualized to the client, so it's not formulaic at all. Uh, but the intent is to have that one point of simple contact who can help curate, manage, and build integrated ecosystems that meet specifically with the needs of that client and often more importantly with the needs of that client's customers. I'm going to talk a little bit about that yeah. later on. And yeah. Then secondarily, uh, I have uh, I have situational engagement in holding company level new business. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean, that second one? It would be more, um, uh, they, those pitches are often led by our agencies, um, but they those agencies are often supported by integrated model and models and frameworks, and I really help to mm-hmm. build and orchestrate those models so that we're um, going to to our clients with strong agencies, but those agencies are connected in a delivery system that is uh, integrated and, um, and again, bespoke to their needs. So this is really interesting because I think that the thing I'm most fascinated by is sort of just even the idea of a holding company in advertising is kind of why it exists, right? And there's the first one is obvious economies of scale. You're, you know, you're, you're going to ha- own a bunch of different agencies with different capabilities. Ideally, you can offer clients a bunch of things, hopefully at a better cost because you own all of it. Um, obviously, there was back in the day a lot. The reason the holding companies were created in many cases were because they wanted to avoid conflicts and be able to have clients in different indus- in the same industry, but with different agencies. But recently, I've started asking kind of the question more of, you know, does the holding company model, if it was built on these two factors, really need to kind of pivot more and be almost more involved than it used to be? And it sounds certainly like you're pretty involved in what your agencies do. Has that been a change over the years and years you've been in the industry? And why has that happened? Uh, uh, That's a a great question. And I I think the way you framed up the evolution, I think, is correct. I think now that uh, one of the primary things that holding companies brought to the equation was scale. And uh, the notion of how you deploy that scale has changed would be my number one answer to that. If you're using scale in sort of the old-fashioned notion of 
monolithic, mm-hmm. fixed, um, sort of muscular uh, solutions. That, I think, is not the right uh, use of the scale and might that a holding company brings. I think it's very in line with what a lot of our large clients are going through in terms of evolving themselves from large mass marketers and not abdicating their scale, but flipping that scale into agile, modular, precise, individualized, constantly optimized scale. And then scale in that capacity becomes very valuable if you have a diversity of assets that you can coalesce and build and curate around a situation and keep that uh, malleable and fluid and flexible, that is a very powerful use of scale. And in that condition, the holding company is is indeed quite Can you relevant. give me an example, just sort of how that would work? Um, okay, you know, a client's come to you or is already an existing client's working with one of your agencies, they're looking to, because I am fascinated by also, I think a lot of this is to your point, driven by a client recognizing and marketers recognizing that the way they did things is not the way it's going to go. And we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of the market forces that are contributing to that in a minute. But explain, you know, using a hypothetical situation, how that would actually play out and where, again, the holding company brings in a competitive advantage that is important and relevant today. Mm -hmm. Well, we uh, I I I would say you might have a different answer to this question, depending upon uh, who you were sitting across the table with. Omnicom, or at least my answer would be that um, we like to live underneath our agency brands as much as on top of our agency brands. And as much as possible, we like those brands to remain vital, strong brands that are capable of winning significant pieces of business on their own, brands that are capable of attracting best in class talent and delivering best-in-class creative. So we believe very strongly in the vitality of our individual brands, and we seek to live underneath that. I like how you refer to it as this like holding company on the top versus, you know, also being at the bottom, which I've never really heard before, but are layered underneath. But um, that consolidation is happening. So is kind of, I mean, are we looking at essentially an industry that's going to bifurcate or trifurcate um, into just different ways holding companies work and the roles that they play? Is that where sort of you see this going? You know, because Omnicom is doing something very different from what WP is doing yeah. to what some two publicists is doing. That's a good question. I, I can't speak for WPP or publicists where they're going. I, I don't know. But uh, consolidation is a part of almost every industry. It's not unique to this industry. And why it is part of most industries is it's financial. It's, in many cases, driven financially. It turns up a more efficiency, uh, efficient organizational structure. Now, in the pursuit of efficiency, it can be sometimes conveniently packaged as being beneficial to clients. I'm not so certain I buy that. I think sometimes consolidation is a, 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 a necessary, and I wouldn't say that we wouldn't do our own form of it at right times, but we have a, a, a belief that it's far more powerful to connect versus collapse our agency brands, because when you connect them, you allow them to stand on their own, to stay strong, to continue to be incubators for great creative and magnets for great talent. And those cultures are critical in their ability to produce 
creativity and talent. And so we would not, it wouldn't be our preference to consolidate them, rather to connect them. And more important, um, when you can connect them around one view of the consumer versus one view of a holding company model, Mm -hmm. you can then translate all those assets and those strong agencies in modular, flexible, fluid constructs. So it really flows through connecting versus collapsing, connecting around one view of the consumer versus one view or dogmatic view of a holding company strategy, Mm -hmm. and then allowing yourself to deliver modular, bespoke, fluid, and open models. And are you finding you're doing more of that again on your level? Because you'd mentioned right at the beginning when I asked you what you did, a, you know, a large part of your job is almost that that approach of here's the Omnicom approach. And maybe that means, you know, some really smart people from BBDO, some really smart people from sure. like bringing all these people together and saying, we're going to create the best bespoke Omnicom team to service your business, that suddenly to me means, okay, suddenly holding companies start being relevant again. Yeah. Because then this is a whole new role you're playing. I would agree with that completely. And I I think that's a a beautiful articulation of what my point was in terms of the power of connection versus collapsing. And and it allows allows you to travel in models where sometimes people come out of their agencies to service a dedicated client team sometimes and oftentimes they stay in their agencies and they are connected in a in a model that allows them to stay in their agencies and uh, ecosystems where they can stay in their agencies and the the point of integration is not just slamming everything together the point of integration is around one Mm -hmm. very clear view of the consumer and that is i think organizational answers to integration is not always it's not dumb but maybe the most blunt way to start uh i think the more sophisticated way to do it would be to organize around one view of the consumer and you're um you're you're really dealing with the consumer truth at that point which is the most critical uh way to benefit our clients by bringing consumer intelligence up the gut of everything that we're doing in the form of integrated models Amidst all this, you know, what to me sounds like a reinvention, reorganization, uh, evolution of essentially what Omnicom does and also essentially what all of its agencies are doing. And I think you're seeing, again, different models. Um, and I'm curious to see how all this plays out. One of the big things is also, well, then the relationship with the client itself has changed. Clients are demanding different things from you today than they were demanding, you know, back when you started at Omnicom. Before that, when you were at J. Walter Thompson, JWT at the time, I yes. think. Um but that's changed too. What are they asking for that's different today that something you didn't expect or just something that wasn't really part of, you know, what you would consider an, what an agency is supposed to bring to mm-hmm. the table? I think going back to for, as regards Omnicom, just to, to hit that one more time and then answer your question. For us, it's really an evolution. We are, are always um, uh, building on our DNA, which is strong agency brands brilliant creativity, best-in-class talent. Those pillars we will never abdicate and we will evolve to make those stronger. Mm-hmm. And by connecting them and connecting them, which is the uh, around the, the, the truth of the consumer, we've found a very powerful formula. So that would be the evolution, but uh, it carries with it the DNA and the values and the pillars that have always served us well over the years. Um, what do I hear from clients that is different. I 
you know, Shireen, I hear, uh, we all hear and read about a lot of different things that are going on. And, and I think that's always been the case in our industry. There's uh, a number of things. We're constantly in a mode of who's centralizing, who's decentralizing, who's bringing things in-house, who's outsourcing things. Thank uh, you for not saying outhouse, by the way. Right. I appreciated that. <laughs> trying to fight against that becoming a thing suddenly exactly. in this industry. <laughs> But um, those things are important, but I feel they're more tactical, um, and I always want to chase up the cause for those, you know, so that we aren't chasing tactics, uh, that we are understanding what the cause for those are. And there, there would be also multiple causes, but in my personal uh, belief, I feel like in recent years, a number of top clients in and outside of Omnicom have lost their ability to really travel as highly consumer-centric organizations. And if you think back, uh, so many successful organizations, particularly in the packaged goods space, they were that was the premise, that was their very backbone. Their organization and certainly their marketing was built off the premise that they were consumer-centric, uh, consumer-guided organizations to the degree you would often walk into conference rooms. And mm -hmm. I remember doing this many times as an account director or something, and there would be an empty chair at the conference room, and they would say, that chair is reserved for the consumer. Oh, because, no. Yes. Nobody did this. They did this that. Hokey. They did that. Um, and they would find a number of different ways through research and... and um, but they're uh, the ones who drove marketing. They drove product. They drove the, the customer they drove, drove product. They're really customer... But... And, and customer centricity is absolutely the purest and smartest pursuit. But how you do that has changed so radically over the past five, six, seven years. And if you're not on top of it, you're quickly losing your ability to uh, hold on to the core, the foundation of how you built your business in the first place as a consumer-centric company. So I think that... Um, throws off a number of different reactions. Should we own, should we pull data and analytics in house? Should we pull production in house? Should we uh, pull consultants upstream or downstream? Mm -hmm. You know, all the levers and tactics that come with that, I think um, a lot of them, not all of them, can be housed under that, that condition. So those are those are tactical, I guess, symptoms or even just results of what an underlying symptoms, issue right. symptoms, which uh, of an underlying issue, which seems to be that, look, the CPG marketers. Yes, I think and a lot of uh, us who've covered the industry or been in this industry for a long time sort of say, OK, yes, the classical Unilever PNG and they're still they remain great marketing organizations. There's, it's pretty clear that sort of a growing number of brands, especially sort of direct-to-consumer brands and born online companies, are fundamentally transforming how advertising should and can be done, not because the other guys did something wrong, but because it's just a different time. And frankly, a lot of things kind of start feeling pretty outdated, right? Yeah. When you look at that a luggage brand can come out, come out overnight, have one-on-one -on -one what seems like relationships with their customers, own all their own data be online for a large part of their growth and yeah, then maybe set up a store and all of that. But that's completely different from so many other brands uh, that have existed for the, for the last hundred years. Totally right. Is that, I mean, in that new kind of model, do we need to start almost like rethinking what even advertising is? Because I think the fundamental issue is even far larger than that. Because I think I, I appreciate your point, the in-housing, the, the, the reactive things that are happening are just symptoms. They're not yeah. really the causes. But the cause seems to be a new competition that's 
much more fundamental. And to me, um, the new competition is the consumer. I think we make a mistake as an industry uh, when we choose to place anything else as the scoreboard than our clients, and more importantly, our clients' consumers. Because uh, what is causing disruption uh, is also the answer to transformation, and both of those are consumers. And consumers, I think, have the baton in hand and are sprinting ahead at a level that they never have been in the past, and it is accelerating. It's obviously fueled by data and analytics and the ability to deliver those through increasingly sophisticated technology and the ability to deliver those on platforms that are constantly learning and getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And so those expectations are accelerated at a, at a breathtaking pace. And we, we must use that as the scorecard. We, lose, we view anything else other than that as the true north. I think we're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a, a marketplace now where the consumers are expecting um, not only that we meet their needs, but that we anticipate their needs. Mm-hmm. And that throws off a different organizational structure mm-hmm. and a serious embrace of data and analytics and a serious ability to operate in an agile and open platform to deliver with that. Mm-hmm. They are not. Uh, here's a, a big one for us. And I have this conversation with a number of clients. Their expectations now just recently are set only by their last best expectation. Hmm. Not by the best expectations that they got in the category, mm. but by their best expectations. Right. So suddenly this if you're- This is a bit in, of a category creep too. Really, Whatever happened over there should be what happened What should here. be happening over here. Mm-hmm. Don't give me the conventions of the car category or the health category. No, I want mm-hmm. the same experience across categories. It's very, very difficult. And delivering- um, uh, individualized experiences at scale at the right time at the Mm -hmm. right place is no longer a nice to have or a progressive thing to do it's table stakes so that's where we've got to be racing towards and i uh if you'll permit me have uh i feel so you know committed to this thinking that i read something i I, i'm sure i will butcher his (laughs) quote Uh, But Jeff Bezos said something like, I am not interested in any more discussions around what my competitors are doing. Hmm. I am only interested in the ruthless pursuit of removing friction from my consumers. And those types of people that you were talking about early who go direct to their consumers and have disrupted the marketplace, they live by the consumer and they decrease the distance they have to their consumer at every opportunity. And if 21st century brands are acting like that. I think that's a pretty good guidepost for marketing for the marketing services industry, and it'll be the way that we can best service our clients. So let's talk then a little bit more prosaically, because I think you're absolutely right. That's up there, right? That's the North Star. That is then leading to, again, what might be tactical and short-term issues, but those are issues nonetheless that will affect or could affect a company like Omnicom. Are you, do you worry about in-housing? Do you worry that these are services that you used to provide mm-hmm. or your agencies used to provide and now somebody else is going to do it themselves? Is that, isn't that a threat? Uh, I think it can be viewed as a threat, certainly. But I, I have a strong view here that uh, I'll go back to our philosophy on building flexible, nimble, open ecosystems. When you build open ecosystems, 
that don't require that you have everything under one roof. You are able to port with clients and even sometimes outside partners and bring them in and develop ecosystems that function very well because uh, they are open, because the center point is not an organizational structure, rather it's the consumer. And in that condition, I don't. you shouldn't feel like you're losing something. You should feel like you're tying off to something in a different capacity. And if you do it right, mm-hmm. I think you have an opportunity to develop deeper relationships with your clients if you can port with mm-hmm. their in-house services and you can start to function as one seamless go-to-market entity. And it can you? be quite powerful. We have. Uh, we, we have. And... Um, we are we're built to continue to move in that direction. And uh, I think that's uh, the only bad answer is to close the doors on that and, and run from okay. it. I think open the doors, run towards it, look, look at it as an opportunity to uh, extend partnerships and maybe even make those partnerships a little more sticky. Because, so optimistic. Yeah. I love it. What about then the next one, which you actually just mentioned, uh, and I am noticing a lot more kind of, again, agencies, quote unquote, saying, yeah, you're right. We can we can stick to the tactical stuff and, you know, make things for people. And if clients choose to do that themselves, great. We can then be a stronger partner and maybe do more actual strategy, do more consulting, do mm-hmm. more help them solve actual business challenges, which is, by the way, what agencies should have should and be should doing. be doing anyway. And then come in the consultants. Then the consultants are coming in. And by consultants, I mean the Accentures. And yeah. and they're saying, well, we already do that. We've done that for decades. We have all of these big clients already. Um, we have a lot of the same clients you do. And now we're going to also just layer in the strategy and all the other things. Is is that a threat? Um, I, I suppose it could be. Um, I think I'd be wrong to say that it's absolutely not. It could be a threat, of course. I'm speaking for myself here, not for the industry, but I I haven't uh, I haven't seen them in our space. But I keep hearing that. I haven't seen them in our space. Who's seeing them? I, I read about them all the time. I read about all. acquisitions that tell me that they're trying to look more like us. Quite frankly, but that did happen. That I don't uh, I don't see them. I see them in their traditional space, of course. Um, I'm sure they're doing fine jobs in helping our clients derive efficiency out of value chains. But I don't see them in the marketing services arena uh, at all, quite frankly. Um, again, that may change, but I, but I, I simply haven't seen it. And That's interesting. Do you, again, you said that may change, and again, it might. I, yeah. I, I think that Accenture's acquisition of Droga 5, while just one, and honestly, I think that it's it's more interesting to me uh, as a symbol rather than what actually happened. You know, uh, there's it, intent. There's, yeah. yeah, there's intent here. And I think the signal of this, it is sending is very interesting to me. And I, the big question to me is sort of the role then of creative agencies in this in this whole thing. Yeah. Um, because obviously media agencies have, you know, I, I think media agencies in general have been doing fine. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing great. Um, but I do question now because the thing I kept hearing from agencies was it's okay, they can do everything and they have all of our, and they could handle supply chain and all that. Um, they can't do creativity. Well, they can buy it. And turns out creativity, even Droga 5 creativity has a price. Yeah. Um, where does that kind of shake out? Just, and I'm asking you to speculate, but where do you think that'll shake out? Or do you think that'll shake out in, in a way that nobody else is really expecting? Well, I think there's a big gap between having it and knowing how to use it uh, and knowing how to integrate it. It is just a very human thing that is very difficult to 
take on board, just as it would be for us to take on board supply chain <laughs> consulting in an advertising agency. You it's should, very, just for fun. Maybe just for fun. Give it a shot. <laughs> a little weekend project. <laughs> but the, the secret really is in integration. If you can't integrate it, it doesn't mean that much. So we'll see if they're able to integrate it or not. I, I, but I think that's where the, the hot point is. We have lived that our entire um you know, our entire lifespan. And I do think that uh, creativity will always be the number one currency for us. And I think our industry gets off the rails immediately when someone believes that there is a better answer than creativity is the true north. And it ebbs and flows. You'll see things like data and analytics, which are primary part of, rightfully, discussions right now and their ability to bring consumer intelligence into the equation and in many ways use that consumer intelligence to enhance our creative product. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, even data and analytics will become more like table stakes and clients will have the ability to even take that in-house and more and more entities will find lower barriers of entry to get into building platforms that deliver this. And at that point in time, once again, creativity will stand out in refrain as by far the most powerful currency that we have because mm -hmm. it's fabulous if you understand the where and the when, but if you're not able to deliver the why, the powerful, emotional, uh, influential, yeah. tailor-made experience at that point, then it's near meaningless. And I think um, until proven wrong, the best creatives are not, uh, keen to sign up for Omnicom or Publicis or WPP. Uh, sure. They want to work for They want to work for BBDOs, TBWAs, and mm -hmm. DDBs, and Goodbees. And um, so I, I think we're a long ways off from that changing dramatically. And I, I, I see advertising agencies as being more vital than ever because mm. of that. It feels a little cyclical, doesn't it, sometimes? Yeah. Like, we're all having the same conversations every five years. Uh, talk yeah. to me a little bit about, you guys have won a ton of new business recently. Um, and I think a large part of what I found interesting is having, I've sort of heard it described by multiple executives within Omnicom, within Omnicom agencies, sort of, you know, doing more new models, nimble models, just changing up things and not kind of just, you know, presenting the same thing you used to sell every time. Um, what does that really mean in practice? Are you, what are you actually doing that's different? And mm -hmm. do you think in that do you think that is why you've sort of won this kind of what seems I, to be I think a that's part of it, Shireen, I do. I do think that's part of it. Not all of it, but part of it. Uh, we were able to win uh, Ford Creative. We were able to win a uh, whole retain a critical regions on Volkswagen Creative. We were able to win HSBC and Mercedes Global Media. We were able to win Duncan. We were able to win BMW. We really had a uh, an array of blue chip wins that we're very proud of. The wins are one thing. Uh, the way we won those, I think, is where the real uh, answer to your question lies, which is there wasn't one way. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're most proud of, is there was not one dogmatic approach that turned up those victories. The way that we won those was through multiple ways. And you look at, when I was talking about strong agency brands, when you have a brand like a BBDO, for instance, they're capable of winning a Ford. Mm -hmm. How often is that happening in our business now where an ad agency is capable of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with you know, team holding company offerings and win? Mm -hmm. 
So uh, an agency like BBDO won that with some support from Omnicom Precision Marketing, but primarily won that on their own. We won the Army through a collective model. We won the uh, Volt or held on to the Volkswagen business through a more of a dedicated model that we've labeled Voltage. We won Duncan through an agency. All types of formats and forms. And that is, for us, really speaks to the vitality of our approach, the diversity of our approach, the strength of the assets that we are able to deliver in the confines of those approaches. And it lives up to something that, uh, this is a really important point for me, uh, Shireen, that we preach all the time to our clients that they should be dogged in their pursuit of providing tailor-made, personalized, individualized solutions and experiences for their end users. And we say that all, you gotta get out of delivering mass. Can't be a one size fits all, it's a new world. You have to be individualized, you have to be precise, you have to be Mm -hmm. constantly learning. And then if we go back and we say, well, we only have one way of delivering it. Sure. uh, We wouldn't be living, we wouldn't be practicing what we preached and more importantly, we wouldn't put even come close to meeting the needs of our clients and our clients' consumers. You can imagine how dynamic, mm-hmm. when you deal with clients' consumers, you're dealing with the most dynamic right. variable you have. Right. If you're not able to shift and live with those and not only build models that can meet the needs, but are fluid enough and agile enough so that when they do need to open back up and reflect a different condition, they can do so in a fast, agile um, Has that flexibility at all also spilled over into then how you choose to get paid? Are you experimenting with new fee models? Are you experimenting Mm -hmm. with, because, you know, we've seen tons of pay for play, equity, uh, somewhere in the middle, project based, change different types of ways, because if everything is changing, you have to be also flexible with how you're going to get paid and how those models work. Has there been experimentation or trying new things out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak to specifics only because it, it's a little out of my scope primarily, but and, and secondarily, there's some pretty proprietary, uh, you know, territory that you get into quickly. But, I, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, all clients are not created different. All consumers are not created different. All the ways that you reach those consumers are not created different. How you can propose an off-the-shelf model to meet that is beyond me. Uh, and in kind, yeah, I think you have to have some flexibility in your compensation models. And I think those models are probably um, designed closer and closer to the outcomes that you're trying to achieve with those consumers. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on Making Marketing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What a joy. And that's all for today's episode of Making Marketing, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you do. Head to your iTunes store, search for a show, Making Marketing, leave us a review and a rating, hopefully five stars. It helps new listeners find us. I'll also read my favorite reviews here at the end of the show. Or you can, of course, tweet at me with hashtag Making Marketing. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.